a long way. Oh well. Yep, there we go. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Show. Big Footy Tiger cast. After another win, three in a row. We're on the up. Everyone's back. We're all pumped and uh, happy to be here as always. But yeah, always nice to be here again with another win under our belt, which is very, very good. So uh, EJ, welcome back, mate. How are you going? Uh, I'm going fantastic. Uh, hope everyone else as well. Uh, very sad to see uh, lids unavailable tonight due to COVID. Yeah. <laughs> no lids, no. Well, he, he might pop I haven't heard officially one way or another, so he might pop up later. You're very well lit tonight as well, EJ. I just want to add that. You know, I've just I've actually just done something for the first time ever. And if this is <laughs> a solution, whatever, I just tilted the screen forward a bit and all of a sudden I could see myself. You're glowing. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks good. And Gok, how are you, mate? Good to have you back on. Yeah, good good to be back, especially after a win. Always nice. Absolutely. No, it's always very nice. Um, now, I've seen I've seen a few people asking where, where Tiggs is. Um, he was scheduled to come on tonight, but as you know, as per previous weeks and going through what he's going through, um, he, he wasn't feeling up to it. And the reason why he pulls out, as much as he's obviously his own health, is he doesn't want to let people down and like come across like a bumbling idiot and mess things up and get it all wrong for you guys. So that's kind of why he, like he's it's very selfless and I would rather him get his health right and get himself right first. So I did call him today. Um, so he's, you know, very optimistic with the next phase of the the rehab and getting himself back fit and healthy. Um, so he is obviously more than welcome to come back on any time. Uh, my suggestion would be, though, if people are wanting to speak to him or interact with him, hit him up on Twitter. He's very happy to reply to people on Twitter. Maybe not on game day. He gets a bit fiery on game day. Um, but uh, any, other, <laughs> any other time of the week, if you want him to interact with the great man, even send him some love. Send him, it'd be good if everyone here could send him a message of love on Twitter um, or whatever you want. Just let him know we're all thinking of him because it, it's absolutely shit out what he's going through, to be honest. So, uh, Tiggs, we love you, mate. Hopefully you're feeling better. Uh, and if you do have Twitter, everyone, make sure you jump on Tiger71, his handle. Show him some love. Um, even just make crap up. And just add, even if it's out of context, just do something. Make him laugh. Make him smile. So get around the great man. But um, I hope everyone's doing well. Thank you, for everyone, for tuning in. Got the buy coming up, which is good. So we've got a guaranteed win this week. So that's nice. Cheeky four points. We do. His computer is shit. Okay. Where do we want to start? Uh, I think first and foremost, I want to, I think we all want to give a massive congratulations again to Koch on 300 games. And um, I think I speak for all Richmond people when you, when I say that it was awesome to see him wind back the clock and, he played an amazing game, and so did his mate Dusty. And we did it. We called it on the show that if there was a game that Dusty, not that he was playing bad, but if there was a game that he was going to wind back the clock as well, um, that was going to be the one. So, so Koch, watch, lads. What do we think of Koch's game? I will put my hand up, and I will say that when he had that shot at goal from about 50, I said out loud, I don't think he's got the distance, uh, especially being <laughs> yeah. wet as well. And I think there might have been a lot of people in the same boat. But boy, was I glad that he ran around and, and nailed it from from long range. He, um, he had a super game. EJ? Oh, I was waiting for you. Yeah, he did. He had a great game. Uh, 29 disposals, 491 metres gain, 15 contested possessions, five tackles, five clearances, five inside 50s and two goals, and seven intercept possessions. So, and was leading. He would have had the three votes in the Brownlow at half time. Um, he was leading possession winner on the ground. And uh, I just think I didn't expect him to be as dominant as what he was. I, I didn't expect him to be a passenger. 
But um, I didn't expect that sort of game. Um, it was huge and it was highly enjoyable. And I gave him absolutely none from 50 metres. <laughs> no, I didn't think he had hit him, Grok. Yeah, I, I was the same. You could barely kick over a jam tin last year and, you know, factor in that wet, heavy ball. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that he, he nailed it. And there's just a sense of occasion, that goal, just winding back the clock. But it's it's amazing that he's playing this well now, given his form last year, the first half of the year, is very slow to get started. And then sort of that back end, he had a ripper. But a part of me thinks that although the half forward experiment, we could probably call a failure at this stage, he didn't have the impact that we probably wanted him to. And he himself admitted that, that he didn't really influence as much as he wanted to. Part of me is glad that it happened because it seems his body's a little bit fresher at this point in the season than it has been in years gone past. He hasn't been that midfielder that gets banged up for the first 12, 13 weeks heading into a buy. And I think we've noticed that over the last three weeks where I think he had 23 centre bounce attendances versus the the Giants. He had 19 against Frio and 18 or 19 again on the weekend. And it just goes to show that players playing in their natural position are much better at impacting a game. We've seen it with Baker going back. We've seen it with Bolter. It's almost like McWalter's taken on taken the thought process of us, well, where do you play best? It's not where do we need you, but where do you play best? And I think that that's gonna that's that philosophy sort of certainly carried us the last couple of weeks. And I, I don't think it's a I don't want it to seem like a knock on on Dimmer either, I guess, that I think Dimmer was within his rights to try the tactic he tried. I think for all intents and purposes, it actually made a lot of sense. Um, but it just the practicality side of it maybe obviously didn't pay off to even what Dimmer thought it was going to. Um, and like we said from very early on in the year, there was just zero balance in that Ford 50. There was nothing. We had no sync, no, no anything, no chasing, no harassing, no nothing. Um, through no fault of their own, it's just the way it was set up. But it's just been fascinating to see us kind of revert back a bit to what we know has worked well for us with Dusty and Koch spending, you know, more minutes <clears> in the midfield, like you mentioned, Grok. And then all of a sudden results start going your way. You know, you still got Presti doing his thing, but without as much heat, you got Taranto creeping up the power rankings to about 145th with another semi-decent game. Um, it, it just all seemed to click in. I know I know. there's still a lot of people who are going to be very divided on this, but I still think Baker up forward has been a good move from McWalter as well. I think that has helped bring balance back to the forward line. And I don't think at this point in time we've lost anything from the back line, EJ. Not to say it won't no. happen, though. No, no, we haven't. We haven't. Although, you know, I know we're going to probably talk about it a bit later of the umpiring in that. How did Baker get away with st stepping off the mark to smother that and put it through for a goal? The, the umpire play. hadn't called. The umpire hadn't called play on, and he he stepped about two meters off his line to make that smother. Um, oh, that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll make and, up for the trip he didn't get, and then he got pinged vold in the yeah, ball. And the secure players sitting there going, "What's going on? What's going on?" Um, well, it's it's brought it's it's not Butler, uh, Rioli, Castagna, but putting Baker down there with Clark and Rioli Jr., there was there is a better balance of pressure on the opposition when we don't have the ball. 
and our turnover game improves and we keep possession, and what do you know, um, away we go. Uh, I was actually sent a stat by um, Jones Racing 82. We were third uh, for conversion inside 50. Really? Okay. Yeah, so it's improved under mini. So, you know, we're we're turning it around. And who would have thought putting uh, round pegs in round holes would uh, make a difference? And it's not only the actual pressure, Grok. It's also the perceived pressure that can actually cause the turnover. And whether that turnover is a direct kick in ball that maybe goes astray or if it plays into our hands and they just do dump kicks down the line, which we feed off, um, I think that's that's the value of Morris Rioli's game as well and Juddy Clark. Well, they may not get big numbers stat-wise. And I know people can easily argue that Castagna did the same thing, and I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I completely agree he did the same thing. Um, but the perceived pressure those guys put on is what we've been lacking and it makes a hell of a difference. Absolutely. And the, the one thing that's different between the smalls now as opposed to, you know, Castagna, Townsend, when he played his that th- sort of third tall, that defensive shutdown forward, things like that is the players actually have foot skills now. So even though they're putting the pressure on, the te- teams who, who are getting pressured know if they turn it over, we're going to hit targets going the other way. I mean, Chuddy Clark, when he goes forward, beautiful kick of the footy. Baker, beautiful kick of the footy when he gets it. It's just one of, it makes a big difference when you've got pressure forwards who can actually use the ball as well when they turn it over and just don't just sort of take off and do the flashy stuff or just dump it long. And I think that's made such a big difference as well. The other thing is with Baker, he's got two feet. He's got mm. a very, very good left foot as well. So he's he, unlike some people, he's never going to be trapped because of where he is on the ground. He can turn his opponent either side as well, and that's not something you can undersell. It's actually amazing that more players can't do that. Like yeah. once upon a like, you would think that's a prerequisite to getting drafted, really, to be able to be uh, dual footed. But um, speaking of footed, Jaden Short again, just going from <laughs> very, he's gone. Steph Curry three point range we're talking about now. He's going from fifty five sixty, just absolutely smashing him home. It's so effortless, EJ. Like. It's such a compact kicking action. He doesn't really look like he's throwing all that much effort into the kick itself. He just times it so beautifully, and it's accurate. It, he needs to do it more often because teams, they'll start to cotton onto it, but let's make the most of it. <laughs> How can they not cotton on, onto it? Um, I would love to actually stand right on the boundary line and hear the sound because he is so sweet, and it's got, like, rockets on it. It just sails. And there is zero effort. I, I, I literally, I look at him, and he's what 178, something like that. Yeah. I look at it, and I look at the physics of it, and I go, it's not possible. It, yeah, and it, it doesn't make sense. And to top, and to make matters worse for opposition teams, Grok. I mean, those kicks obviously helped, but he ends up with 713 meters gained uh, as a result because he's just clearing lines and kicking long range home runs. Absolutely, and. I think this is where the protected rule has sort of the protected zone rules come in and help Shorty where he had he players aren't allowed to come in and tag him if they're not trailing him in the first place. So he's just sort of wandering around. You see him looking for that cheeky little handball. I'd say sixty percent of the time that the players have marked it around the fifty. And it's a it's the age old adage of you don't get beaten by what you know. Well he's he's made a career out of it for the last what seven, eight years now and he's still doing it. He's kicked 
five goals in two weeks from 50 plus like teams it's it's all well and good saying they need to man up on him and they they need to sort of limit him but how exactly are they going to do that they, they need to be a lot more they need to be a lot more one-on-one otherwise he's just going to continue to do it that's it and i think the uh the half forwards tend to just clock off a little bit when the ball's that far down they're kind of not worried about their defensive side so much but um someone tagged me in a good point on twitter i'm not sure if it'll ever eventuate but they cheekily floated the nfl punter post afl career for our short i know it probably won't happen but if it were he would be pardon the pun one of the shortest punters you would ever see and he could actually run the ball (laughs) yeah (laughs) it would be fast i would actually love to see him try out and just not while he's still playing for richmond but uh just to see how how it goes because he's got a serious leg on him um, um he, he does and just on that right wet weather football is all about taking ground okay yeah now it, it's we we highlight and rightfully so the beautiful goals from outside 50 but how many times has he is he standing side on or almost back to the way we're going and he does that hook foot around and he gets good meters on it from a standing yeah. start no steps he just does that hook around the corner and takes ground for us yeah, he's got an amazing boot, even at standing still. It clears like an extra twenty to thirty meters on top of what most average players would get onto it. That would fall short into that next wall of players, yeah. and they would repel. It kind of gives our next line half a chance to to cause a greater contest, which has been good. Um, what about the defense as a whole, Grok? I think someone made a comment here. Oh, here we go. Um, that the defense won the game. They stood up. I I hundred percent agree. I thought they were massive. I thought Young was good. I think. There was some stat where he had a ridiculous amount of hard contest or one contest again. Um, again, he's not going to get you 25, 30 touches, but if we're talking about an Asprey like Rolgrock, I think him killing the contest is um, very beneficial for us. And, you know, we still got to remember he didn't start playing footy seriously until he was in, it was in 2019, essentially. So he's still very, very new to it all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did have a couple of. <clears throat> Sorry, he did have a couple of nervy moments in the first quarter. I think when Saints were, were putting that run on, we just couldn't stop their ball movement. His ball use was a little dodgy. But after after quarter time, his ball use was was a lot better. He picked a lot better options. Wasn't trying for those cute little 30-metre kicks. He was just getting it down the line, taking, taking meterage, especially when the rain came, which was something that I think he needs to do. He just needs to just get the ball to better users rather than trying to pinpoint passes that probably a big man shouldn't be doing. But he thinks he's starting, I I think he's starting to understand his role, understand the level of AFL football. And I was a little, I I did have uh, knocks on him a few weeks ago. I just thought he was too mistake prone to really be good going forward. But the last couple of weeks he's been solid. And yeah, Bolter just continues to have an absolute ripper season i mean yes he the couple of games at the start of the year was a little bit questionable but his last month of football he's absolutely dominated and vlosten for me was the one that's the best game that vlosten's played he had a very good game last week as well but his game in the wet on saturday night was probably the best game i've seen him play in a couple of years probably since he copped that hit in the grand final Mm. yep yep uh, 11 intercept possessions, nine marks. Um, he was fantastic. Boulder was fantastic. Now, one thing on Boulder, 
uh, and also some and someone uh, made the comment in the comments too about young killed owens uh machido owens like he's been playing seriously good footy and to have the confidence to leave him on it and get the job done he was invisible so it doesn't matter what young does if owens is invisible the job is done um bolter how was king after the first couple of goals shoving the ball at bolter right don't poke the bear <laughs> after that king was basically a non-event apart from one obvious um chance in the last quarter he was basically not seen oh, i that, thought that's yeah, bolter did well to keep his cool for the rest of the game there was plenty of times and i tweeted after the game he should have got one of those little mini balls that he signed and then gone and shown Maxi King what that little footy looks like after getting the W. But that just, yeah, flog-like behaviour there, EJ. It seemed to fire us up, that incident with King and Bolter. We came out breathing fire after that. Like, it was just our intensity picked up a whole other level after that. Yeah. Uh, and the, one another play we need to talk about is Timmy Taranto. Um did you have your stats, EJ? Is that have you got that gear written down? Oh, right, down? Yeah. 38 possessions, 411 metres gain, 10 tackles, 18 contested possessions, six clearances, four inside 50s, a goal, and even four intercept possessions thrown in for good measure. Just a ridiculous game. <coughs> oh shit, pardon me. A ridiculous game. Uh, that's like his fifth or sixth game in a row with those type of numbers. So he's and one of those players. Yeah, coaches' votes, he top top yes. that as well. Um, I think one of the more ironic things to happen during the week was Kane Corns essentially claiming this form turnaround and, and some <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how serious he was about that. He couldn't have been too serious, surely. Um, but Taranto, the one thing that fascinates me about him, and please correct me if, if my uh, wording is wrong here, he I don't think he is that quick at all. He's I, I don't plotter's probably not the right word. But it's just his aerobic ability to get from contest to contest for almost every minute of the game. He just he ha he's always near the ball from sheer work rate, like not because of speed, but just because he he runs everywhere all the time. He a phenomenal pickup and very much justified, I think, at the moment. Oh, 100 um, percent. He's to Jas is going to kill me for this, but he's like a a better version of Jack Graham, like. Jack Graham's got serious aerobic capacity, runs all day, runs all day. I think we said it on the podcast a week or two ago. Someone said that Taranto was the best runner that they'd seen. One of the one of the people behind the, the scenes. He just his work rate is just insane. Yeah. Well, he knocked off McIntosh in the 2K time trial, who's dominated that event for the last five or six years pre-season. So it just speaks volumes of him coming in and just showing everyone I can run. <laughs> there it is from Tiesta. Um, there's a couple of people making the point in the comments about how um, Higgins is not well liked. I actually mm. noted this to um, to uh, Lids today um, <laughs> that it's not. I'm not going to let it go. Uh, <laughs> but there was a contest late in the match where uh, Butler had the ball and was taken out of uh, ground by um, Jack Graham. And Jack Graham sort of ruffled his hair and just sort of gave him a pat on the back. There's obviously a lot of respect for Butler, and it is is obviously not much at all for Jack. And um, 
thank you very much, Mr. Grimes, for your game. It made me very happy. I would say there's yeah zero respect, and it stood out for such a long time ever since Higgins left. So, you know, I think people can try and piece together what they think may have happened, I guess. But there was there was also a lot of people mentioning on Twitter that was a, maybe a game at Marvel last year. Um, you know, the supporters were sitting near the fence line, and even they could hear the amount of shit that the players on the bench were giving Higgins. Um, so it wasn't only on the field directly in play; they were getting stuck into him while waiting to come onto the ground as well. So, um, yeah, it, it is. It, it stood out like dog's balls, to put it bluntly, Grok, that the respect was 100% there with, with Butler and with pretty much every other player that's left us. You're thinking about Brandon Ellis and Markov, Ellis, Townsend, the list goes on. Uh, Troll, it's always been very respectful and mutual, you know, between all the players, and, and this is the only exception to that rule. Well, Ellis was there yeah, on the weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I was just about to say, Alice was in the was in the change rooms after the uh, either before or after the game, and there's there's a photo of him with Koch. I think it was before the game. The photos came out as they were going for their team meeting and everything. But yeah, it just I think there's a real sense of entitlement with Higgins about the way he handled his last probably twelve months at the club. Um, Obviously, his defensive work rate wasn't up to scratch. He's, we'll, we'll put it bluntly, he was a front runner. Wanted the goals, didn't want to do the work rate to to for the betterment of the team, and basically packed up his ball and went home and had a few parting words at the club as he left. And the players don't really respect him for the way that, the way he went about it. They just felt it was unnecessary and just a bit disrespectful. So. Yeah, absolutely no no respect for Higgins for the way he went about it, as opposed to, as you say, Butler, who probably got a bit of a raw deal in that last six months he was here with with his form at VFL level not being rewarded. And Alice obviously won a couple of flags with us and decided to, to head up north. Fair play to him. All the other players that, we, that have gone over the years have all sort of been welcome back at the club uh, for functions or... or or various opportunities, but yeah, Higgins just seems that is just seems to be the one that, for many many reasons, just we we want nothing to do with. We've wiped our hands with. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Oh, well, you know, as long as the players get the job done on the field, they can do whatever they like. So I was a little bit dirty. One of the free kicks Grimes gave away was probably unnecessary. Um, he probably felt it was necessary given circumstances, but. It uh, cost us a goal, but, um, you know, it is what it is, but we won the game and that's all that matters. Um, two more players I want to talk about, unless you guys have got other players to mention as well. First one's Ben Miller. I really, really liked his game. I thought he presented really well up the ground. He took some very strong marks in not ideal conditions for big men. And that goal that he snapped on the run was very, very difficult. Please do not underestimate how hard that goal would have been to kick in the wet, kicking it across your body with a slippery ball under pressure that far out. As a defender, let's keep that in mind. Like he's not a natural key afford of any any type. Uh, that goal was clutch. Uh, it was unbelievable. I would have, as soon as I saw him shaping up, my initial thought was out in the full. And that yep. sounds yeah. horrible, but even if that was Shea or Dusty, I wouldn't have expected him to kick it. Like that's how hard the shot was. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with Lynch in that situation several times where he's just tried to blast it and kicked it out on the fall. And Jack's had a couple as well. But Miller, 
for a big bloke in torrential conditions, they were horrible. The rain was probably at its heaviest at that point. For him to pick the ball up as cleanly as he did and be able to put that through was was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. A beautiful weight on um, putting the ball out in front too from Bolton, just quietly. Yeah. Um, Miller did everything that was expected of him. He contested. He brought the ball to ground uh, in the conditions which were not suited for big players. Uh, you know, it was a very effective 12 disposal game. Oh, most definitely. Now, the only uh, – I'm not sure if negative is the right word yet, um, but I, I'm not sold on Hugo Rolfsmith as the sub, fellas. I really, really haven't seen him have much impact at all the times he's come on, whether it's, I don't know, circumstances, the weather and the time of game. I'm not too sure. I just don't know if he's having the, the right impact a sub should have. I also don't yeah. know what the other answer is as to who you would put there, but I just wanted to flag that and get people's thoughts. Yeah, I would have thought going into the game, obviously with Mansell gone, that Juddy would have taken over Mansell in the forward line and Ralph Smith starts on the wing with uh, in replace of Pickett. I just thought those were probably the two changes that were most likely given our lineup last week. Ralph Smith is not a defender and I think he's much better taking the game on than he is trying to run both ways. He's an attacker. That's what he is. He's dangerous breaking the lines. And when he's playing in the back line, it's just not not who he is. He panics far too much, gets lost in defensive transition, loses his man quite often. And it's just weird to see, especially on a game like Saturday night where it's heavy, wet ground, soggy. It wouldn't have allowed him to use his strengths, his pace, his line-breaking ability and things like that, wet ball. I just feel like if he wasn't going to start, he probably shouldn't have played. Yeah, I think one of Ralph Smith's positives is that he is very fit. So he works into a game. And so starting up when the game's already underway doesn't doesn't suit him. Um, He didn't do much. I did note that he actually crucially won two contests. Uh, in the third quarter when he first came on, and one of them he got the ball a long way forward um, in a contested situation. Didn't take possession of the fall, but but really pushed it forward. But he was, apart from that, pretty invisible. Um, as far as what's the solution, well, I think we're getting a couple of people back after the bye, and I've got a really radical solution, which I'm going to get shouted down for later on, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I just I just want to make a couple of points out of the game for us. I, I know it was a wet weather game. Even so, 18 of the 23 had five or more contested possessions. That's a really good effort-based performance. Um, we won the clearances 47 to 38. Stoppage clearances around the ground, it was 30 all. We won the centre clearances 17 to 8, and that really... You know, help us going. And and Ross Lyons' presser was actually quite interesting. He talked about how he had instructions at how we set up and how, and how to combat it and that they didn't do an effective job. So um, Ross is not stupid. He's he's um, found something. But the other thing was our inside 50 efficiency. We're at 51.7% in the wet. St Kilda at 37%. Went a long way to us 
winning the game was actually converting the chances we had because we lost uh, inside 50s, 58 to 61. So, Especially when you consider that under the roof at Marvel, we went at about 33%. So how do you work that one out? Um, but it's it's no coincidence. I mean, that stat, it, and, you know, I'm always banging on about inside 50 efficiency because it's one of the most telling stats. Um, but to your point on the clearances and the work around the ground, I think Nankervis deserves a bit of a pat on the back too for his job on Marshall, who I think is a very, very good ruckman. Um, one of the best in his own right. And I probably doesn't get the plaudits he deserves in some instances. But, um, and, you know, Jack's, I don't know if he said this week or last week, that when the rain comes, he knows that Nank's going to improve and he's going to be a much better player for it. It kind of evens things out a bit for Nank when he's up against those real big guys. Yeah, I found it funny, the timing of the rain, because part of me felt like it hindered us a little bit in that we were so on top of them with our ball movement, the run and carry towards the, the middle portion of that second quarter. And then the rain came in and they, St Kilda managed to shut it down a little bit more. I just felt like if we if the rain had stayed away for that 15 or 20 minutes before halftime, I reckon we would have been up by a significant margin. But as you said, it sort of helps the players like Rock, uh, Graham, who in the wet, that's that's more suited to him, more contested. He can lock it down. He's not going to get exposed on the outside. Nank, as you said, Taranto, that sloppy ball sort of thing. Um, yeah, I just felt... It was sort of swings and roundabouts in a way. It helped us in one way, but took away what made us dangerous in that first half. Yeah, um, how many disposals did Rioli have? Dan Rioli, he had 25. 25, Seriously? 262 metres gained. 92% disposal efficiency in the wet. In the rain, yeah. Was it really? 92, 92. Yeah, 92%. I knew how many disposals he had, but I just wanted someone else to <laughs> maximise the effect. <laughs> and I, I see several people mentioning shy. Absolutely. Hey, come on, Matthew Hill. Can, can we can we have a shy, please? I'm, I'm, I'm filling in for Tiggs as he's not here. <laughs> take take it over the Tiggs roll. Shy, no. uh, shy, shy with his um, move into the midfield. Fantastic. I think the games against. Port Adelaide and Essendon showed that he can't be playing deep forward when the game's on the line because the ball's not, ball wasn't getting down there. He's, he's too creative and too elusive upfield not to be that impact player when uh, the game's on the line. And the game, like his game against Frio last week, he was the difference at, at the end. He was the one that really won, won us the game. And he was terrific again. He was outside of Rioli and Dusty, probably the cleanest we had. He was very good. And as someone was uh, highlighting, you know, he was actually under a pretty hard tag from Windhager and still managed 20 disposals, 10 contested possessions and three goals. So. Very good goal at the end too, as per your picture, EJ. Yeah, I might just, I'm too fat to get in the way. <laughs> uh, now, Glenn, to your point here, what about the Dan Rioli run in the last five minutes through traffic? Call me crazy, call me tinfoil hat. When he ran through and collected the ball and got the bloke on the way through, genuinely had a, a heart skip a beat moment that he was going to get cited for something. Because we've already had one bloke get done for attacking a contest and winning the ball. And as he just went ball at a gate, got the ball and he took a few out along the way with him. But uh, he was ridiculous, Rioli. He was, yeah. I mean, surely 
all Australian contention. And, and obviously, the one negative out of the match we do, we should probably touch on is Samson Ryan. Been solid for us over the past five or six weeks. Hasn't had huge numbers, but his competitiveness and his, his efforts at a contest and around the ground have been immense and he's going to be a, a, a solid loss for us structure-wise, especially as Lynch is still probably another month away. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I think... Get Zach Efron, I'll take that every I, day. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Good call from Matt. Um, well, Matt I reckon, should have been I reckon, <laughs> I reckon Samson may have been subbed anyway just based on the conditions, not because he didn't do anything wrong. He absolutely didn't. But um, hopefully the uh, ankle recovery goes well. And there was another marking contest he had earlier. I'm not sure if that, if that was the one that did it, where he kind of got his legs taken out from underneath him. But yeah, it was. Definitely. Yeah. Was that was that the one that did it? There was that particular yeah, contest? Yeah, yeah that, that looked nasty. So he, he's had a, a really good year so far. And, and maybe, not that you want him injured, but it maybe does him well to have a bit of a rest. Obviously, we've got the bye anyway. Um, but I think when he's fit and ready, I, I would have no hesitation in, in him coming straight back in. No. All right, we'll get to the elephant in the room because there's been a lot of messages come through about it. People wanted to hear about the umpiring. I know a lot of people tuned in for a Tiggs rant, um, but we haven't, haven't got haven't got a rant tonight. But um, look, it was frustrating to say the least. And again, it's not the ones we give away. It's the ones, because I'm fine with those because I accept that we play near the line and all that kind of stuff. That's okay. It's the ones that we simply don't get, which has been highlighted on a lot of different platforms. Um, with holds and dropping the balls and uh, the one that we talked about off air, EJ, when the St Kilda player led with his head, come off with a blood rule and was given a high tackle when when that was the very definition of leading with your head um, and we couldn't take a trick. It's it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'm going to read this out first and then you guys can have a, have a crack at it. So for those of you who are on Twitter, there's a Richmond poster on there called Roxman, R-O-K-S-M-A-N, um, who does data analysis for a living done it for quite some time. And he put together a table which highlighted some free kick information um, in relation to Richmond and not necessarily what we give away, <clears throat> but what teams give away against us. So I messaged him just to get a bit of a little synopsis of, um, of what the information he was putting across. So I'll just read out from my phone. So he said, basically, the primary focus, which you should be conveying is that this data does not contain Richmond giving free kicks away. The analysis is built on the remaining 17 clubs, which means Richmond could give away one or 50 free kicks in the game and it doesn't impact the data analysis. It only focuses on, on, on other teams. So um, the only caveat for the data is that finals were excluded because they're traditionally officiated in a, in a different way, um, which why don't they just do that the whole year round? But that's a, a separate matter altogether. So it only focuses on all the other teams, which means that set, set calculated data over 85 games, so you can't just cherry pick. 10 of the 17 clubs, so every team dramatically improves their discipline only against Richmond. 10 of the 17 clubs not only improve their free kicks against when playing Richmond, um, but some of them are even, it, we're like some teams number one, they perform the best against us in terms of free kicks against. And that's based on over the last five games against every opponent. So out of 85 games of football for every club, the five which are played against Richmond see their fouls or indiscretions decrease by roughly 50%. And this outcome is achieved by staggering 10 clubs. 10 clubs. So if you do have time, go and check out Roxman's Twitter. It's fascinating reading. Um, 
and you know you can only go by data end of the day so but what do we make of the officiating? I know EJ you had some thoughts on ones that were maybe okay that were probably handed on by by the faithful but it's, it's been an interesting couple of weeks yeah I'll look I'll say when I when I defend some of the umpiring I'll say this there's no doubt that like on the weekend that if you want to call it rubber the green, we didn't get the rubber the green. And that's fine. And I admit that 100%. But when we're calling out some of these decisions, it's just that we either choose to not accept, um, accept, no, well, what was that one? Uh, what was there from RFC Centre? The one with Crouch and Rioli, right? Crouch had no prior opportunity, made a genuine attempt to get rid of the ball in the back pocket, and so therefore that is play on. Rioli tried to fend. The moment you try to fend, you lose your prior opportunity. So that was correctly given as holding the ball. I got, you know, no dramas with that. And the other one that people were pointing about was um the the 50 metre against Bolton. Now, players from both sides and I remember Dusty doing it, turning around, oh, what about this, what about that? Players from both sides were able to get away with complaining to the umpires all night. The issue with Bolton is he did the one thing that you're not allowed to do anymore. He pointed to the screen. The, moment he, pointed to, the moment he pointed to the screen, it's going to get paid. That's the one thing you can't do now. But we absolutely got the rough end of the pineapple. Zero doubt about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, and the issue is, and it wasn't the number of umpires that was the problem. It was the interpretation of the umpires. Three different people will have three different interpretations of the rule. We've now got four people on the field adjudicating, and each one of them has a differing interpretation. So you've now got even more confusion about what gets paid and what doesn't. And... That, that, that's the biggest thing for me is it's the 50-50 contests. We probably win maybe 10% of the 50-50 free kicks that get paid. The others are either caught. Uh, the opposition will probably get maybe 60% of them. The rest get balled up in contests. It's, it, that, that's what's frustrating. It's, it's the difference in, in interpretations based on the players involved, like Prestia. Prestia gets absolutely crucified for the ball getting dragged in, locked in under him, things like that. He'll probably get pinned at least once or twice a week for it. But no, no, not many bad, other players. That was a bad decision, the Prestia one. Yeah. yeah. He gets crucified for that. Short's the same in the back line. If Short gets taken to ground and the ball spills out and it, an opposition drags it back in, Short gets pinned. But several other players for the opposition can have the same thing and they don't get pinned. It seems like players get pinned. Uh, players get interpreted differently. Like someone like Jack, for example, with how he gets manhandled by defenders, as opposed to someone like Ben Brown for Melbourne, who as soon as you touch him, gets the free kick. That's that's what's frustrating. And I do think that we've probably got a bit of a bad rap for complaining too much and sucking about the decisions that don't go our way, which means that the umpires are like, well, stuff you, you're not respecting us, so we're not going to give you anything at all and make you really complain. 
But at the end of the day, it's it shouldn't come down to that either. If if the frees are blatant, they need to be paid. None of this 50-50 stuff. The only solution I have is let the 50-50s go. Unless it's an absolutely correct call, 100% correct call, pay it. If it's not, just let it go. And I think a lot of people would be a lot happier with that where only the, the blatantly obvious ones that even Stevie Wonder could see were were free kicks and letting everything else go. And I'll, look, I'll, with as far as the umpires go, I'm going to say something's going to wind some people up here, right? Razor Ray actually had a really good game. And one thing he yep. does do is he clearly explains himself without getting upset on the field. On the other hand, I don't have to mention the name Boy without saying too much. But, <laughs> but, yeah, he had a shocker. But Razor Ray was very, very clear. And even there was a, one where we probably should have got a free kick for a high contact. And and Ray went, no, nah, that was an accident, fellas. That was an accident. Yeah, the fact it's an accident shouldn't really matter too much. But he explained it clearly all the way through. And when, um, when that free kick wasn't given against Crouch, Ray actually explained it to Dusty word for word why. Not all umpires will have the time and patience to do that. He gets a bad rap because he's very loud and very out there, but he was clearly the best of the four on, on Saturday night. Yeah, the whole it's an accident thing, I think, doesn't sit well with me given obviously the Mansell incident was it was an accident. I don't, I don't think you can you can say it's okay to not pay something because it was an accident. Well, it doesn't matter if it's an accident. 100% yeah, of the free kick. It happened kick. or it didn't. Well, yeah, not, I'd say... I won't say 100%, but 99% of the free kicks given away in a game of football are accidents. Yeah, you know. No. They're, not, they're not deliberately doing it. So, like, I do think that was probably poor on Ray's behalf, but I agree. He, he was the best of a bad bunch on, on Saturday night. Sounds like the Aussies just got a wicket as well. A lot of comments no, in chat. Really. Root is out, apparently. Root is it's out. out. <laughs> Stumped. Stumped. Uh, Oh, stumped! I, I know this is a footy. I know this is a footy show, but I, I need to mention this. Did everyone see the wicket that Nathan Lyon got with the ball like ballooned about five meters in the air? Yes. <laughs> Never seen anything like that in my life. Crazy. <laughs> absolutely, um, absolutely, Nathan. The rule that that's the thing where I think the a, the AFL and the umpiring department have that's got themselves nice and cushy. It's an interpretation, and an interpretation slash opinion cannot be right or wrong. They'll, they won't admit that that they've got a decision wrong. It's just we interpreted it this way, and yes, we see and that as correct. It. And they can yep. defend it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so given we obviously don't have an opponent this week, uh, we'll go through a bit of a where we think we're at at the bye and how we're judging the season and whatnot. But while we're doing that, guys, make sure you think of some questions that you can fire off to us at the end. So have a think about what you want to ask uh, the three of us, and you can um, send them through after. But Obviously got the bye this week. Um, won the last three in a row, which was much needed. Like, essentially, if we didn't win at least two of those, our season was officially done. Um, but it's fair to say, guys, that four or five weeks ago, we all probably thought we were cooked anyway based on exposed form. And I think everyone was entitled to feel that and think that because it wasn't looking great. But then, um, yeah, you, you knock out some wins against uh, Fremantle, St Kilda, and who, was who, who else did we beat? GWS. GWS. And all of a sudden, we're seeing ninth. We're, what, two points outside of the eight. Um, and not as bad as what it could have been. The the Essendon loss is the one that hurts. There's going to be a few, but 
you know, if we cut. played our cards right, we'd be sitting in the eight. But how have you seen the recovery? Yeah, we could. Well, that's right. So how, how have you guys seen our recovery from what was, I suppose, a pretty disastrous start? It's been the same over the past few years when Lynch has gone down. When Lynch has gone down, we've generally struggled for the first four or so weeks after he's gone down to find someone to step in for him. After that, once we've shuffled the structure around a little bit, we sort of have picked ourselves up a little bit. And I firmly believe that if Lynch didn't get injured early in that Bulldogs game, we'd probably win that game. I reckon we probably beat Essendon if Lynch plays. And I reckon we probably beat Port Adelaide as well. I think they're the three that we probably win if Lynch plays. And the three wins for where we are now, that sits us, what, probably top four? Yeah. Yeah. So it just, Lynch was probably the one player I, I think before the season was the player we could least afford to lose long term, especially with how Jack was performing at the end of last year. Credit to Jack, he's had, he's been okay without being fantastic besides that game where he kicked four or five. He's doing his job. He's got a little bit of a spring back and he seems to be enjoying his footy again. But Lynch has been a massive loss for us. And I think Hopper being out has probably been a blessing as well because it has allowed Bolton, Koch and Martin to play more midfield minutes, which has sort of helped us as well. So, yeah, I, I do think where we're sitting now, if I'd probably say maybe give us a C for, at the start of the from the start of the year, but after the Bulldogs game when Lynch went down, for us to be where we are now, I'd probably give us maybe a B. I think we're probably fighting back a little bit better than than what we have. I think that's a fair enough call to do a split assessment there with two different grades. EJ, what uh, what are your vibes? Um, yeah, look, I think it's it's pretty it's pretty clear that um, Lynch being out is one of our major issues. Um, Nank being out for a period doesn't help either structurally. Um, I think that it's a very, very even competition though. And I may have backed us a week ago at $4.50 to make the eight and now we're $2.50. I honestly think whether or not we make the eight, we will fight the season out and fight it out well. I've had a look at the draw and I'd love to talk about another couple of teams if we could. Geelong. Oh, what are the chances? <laughs> Ripper. Ripper. <laughs> um, Geelong, look, and first of all, hats off Paddy Dangerfield. Mate, you get crunched like that, you have that injury and you play the game out, that is one tough hombre. That's amazing. But Geelong looked much better at the start of that game with Dangerfield back in the side. With him out of the side it really weakens their midfield with Selwood gone, Selwood gone as well. Geelong don't have an easy draw on the way home. Now, we, we can just say the point, Sydney are not making finals, okay? We can put a line through that. You reckon? Sydney won't make finals. If Geelong... Geelong have got Melbourne this week. They've got to play Sydney in Sydney. They've got to play... Uh, Essendon, they've got to play, 
Oh, I did look at the. They've got some tough, tough, tough games. They've got to play Port, uh, not Port. They have to win. If if they lose to Melbourne, they then have to win seven of nine to make it. They've got Brisbane, Port, Collingwood, Brisbane. St Kilda, Collingwood. Port that's Blocks. the one. Yeah. Right. So they've the got. Point. Yep, so their run is Melbourne, Sydney, North, Essendon, Brisbane, Frio, Port, Collingwood, St Kilda, Bulldogs. So that's a very, very tough run. It's a tough the run. last seven weeks is insane. Yes, yes. Now, if Melbourne can knock them off this week, they have to win seven of nine to make it. And I doubt at the moment that they can do it. So yeah. and if and if they don't both make the finals... It'll be the first time since 1963 that both both grand finalists aren't playing finals the next season. You answered my question. Thank you. I was exactly going to ask that. When has it ever happened? Because I flagged it a couple of weeks ago about both of them not being in there at the halfway point. But for it to go one step further would be um, would be huge. But um, so, so I just want a little bit of Schadenfreude time. I'm I'm feeling better now. So yeah, yeah, no, I like it. I like it. Well, uh, I'll have a look at our draw quickly as well. So I think a few people. I think we're in a kind of a similar boat to the Cats in the sense that yes. we need to at least go seven and two to be any sort of realistic chance. So we've obviously yes. got Brisbane at the Gabba post by, which is going to be a huge game. Sydney at the G. Uh, then we've got West Coast in Perth, and I'm I'm calling. I'm nervous about that game. It's a typical no. Richmond bloody game, like no. the Kangaroos, when you shouldn't lose it and you balls it up. Anyway, no, we'll we'll couple of weeks. We've got our mojo back. We will smash them. I hope so. I hope so. Goals. Hawthorne, we've got, uh, and that's no gimme. I think they're playing reasonably good football. They knocked off the Lions in St yeah. Kilda, so they're they've got a bit of spark back. Melbourne, always a tough game. Us. Bulldogs, always a tough game. St Kilda again, but at Marvel, tough game. Kangaroos, they notoriously match up well on us for whatever reason. Uh, and then Port Adelaide as a last game. So our run's not that great either in, in some senses, no. especially when you need to win seven of them. Yeah, we, we can, as you said, we can afford to lose two, maybe three given we've had the draw. So that's given yes. us an extra two points. That's but the thing is we, we've also got two games at Marvel. And with our yeah. form at Marvel, I reckon we're going to lose at least one of them. Yeah. We have That's to just pinch, me being, yeah. Yeah. We have to pinch the Brisbane game, the Melbourne game, or the Port game, right? Yeah. And and someone else put it up here before. This game against Brisbane in uh, off the bye is an absolute free hit. They're not flying at the moment. We can just go up there and just fire all our cannons. The only thing that could save us a little bit with Port Adelaide, and this is just pure hypotheticals, is if they're in a spot where they're locked into a position they may opt to play a manage potentially. They may not, but um, that could make things interesting. I don't hold any fear of Port over there. We've obviously gone over there, backs against the wall many a times and come away with the win. Um, but you, at the same time, you wouldn't like that game to be the one we need to win to make finals. But, yeah, it's going to be... It's I reckon it'd be good if, um, with uh, 30 seconds to go, uh, we get paid a deliberate free kick in the forward, left forward pocket. <laughs> And um, <laughs> and someone hooks it. Yeah, so a couple of big games coming up. So, but yeah. I agree. It, it all the the Lions one's almost an eight point game. I know we said the same thing against St Kilda and against Fremantle. Um, but yeah, it's it, that is a hard run to go seven and two in, especially with the Marvel factor as well. Like you said, Grok. Yeah, the Bulldogs game at Marvel will be the real test, I reckon. 
Saints, I reckon, will, will probably be okay. It's the Bulldogs game. that Their pace has really troubled us at, at Marvel, especially. So, yeah, especially and Norton. Norton and, and their pace are the two that really worry me at Marvel. Very, uh, we're probably lucky that um, Jones is going to be out for an extended period. Yeah. Mm. But like you said to your point earlier, EJ, if we've got our mojo back, maybe it's not as insurmountable as we think because, you know, at our best, when we're playing our football, it's typically better than most if we can do it for long enough. Um, I think a big piece to this puzzle, and you know, he's a player whose name was mentioned earlier, is Tom Lynch. I'm not sure how far away he is. Someone mentioned four weeks. Someone mentioned six. I, I, is, it's four? Okay. Yeah. He's still is on that erring on the side yeah, of caution or is that? He's still in the boot. Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah, still in a moon boot. He was pictured yeah. at the airport coming yeah. back. Or, yeah, yeah, in a moon boot. So and, to, to clarify, is that four games or is it four weeks? So is this week one week and then you've got two weeks Brisbane, three weeks Sydney, and he's back against West Coast? Four games. Four games. Okay, so, so it's about five, yeah, five weeks. Okay. So back for potentially Hawthorne or Melbourne. Yeah. Yep. He, um, for me... I don't want to say it all hedges on him coming back because you don't want to pin it all on one one person. But it was mentioned in the chat earlier that he he's the one player that we could probably ill afforded to lose the most from a structural standpoint. Um, and I suppose the concern then becomes not that like Rewald and the wear and tear on him having to do the main gig all the way through up until he's got to you know he's got to hold the fort until Lynch gets back. How do we manage that? But if we can sort of cling on until that Hawthorne Melbourne game and get Lynch back and he hits the ground running, it it makes things a bit more interesting, especially when you're sort of looking at the Bulldogs and St Kilda again. Hmm. Uh, just on James, uh, don't be surprised if we don't see Gibkiss at all this year. Yep. Yeah. The club's I'm... taking a really conservative approach with him. Yeah, they're yeah. going to warehouse him, I reckon. Yeah, I yep. don't think we'll see him either. Now, a few people have asked the question. Um, start sending you through your questions as well, guys. We'll answer some questions. But Hopper is set to come back after the bye. How do we fit him back in? And how do we maintain the balance we've got with him coming back in? But the name that people are going to float is going to be Jack Ross. I'm actually not so sold on that at the moment because he's playing reasonably well. He's got his confidence up uh, and he's doing good things. But I, I, again, I don't know what the actual answer is, but I'm keen to hear everyone's thoughts on how we get Hopper back in. If and pick it gonna, for that matter. Yeah. If we're going to keep Ralph Smith in, which I think Ralph Smith will be the one that makes way for Pickett, I just think that's probably what we're going to do. I'd go Graham out for Hopper as much as it, that's prob probably going to cop me a bit. Of, I think it's it, it's either Ross, or, Hop, Ross or, or Graham, and I think Ross has been in far better form than what Graham has. And I think Graham's probably due for a bit of a stint. I just oh. don't – I just think, yeah, I'll probably get the dirty looks, but I just feel that Ross has offered us a lot more going forward this year and Graham looks a little bit tired and sore. I reckon Graham is actually just coming into it now. His last two weeks, his run is back. He had the toe operation and he's been – he was really poor for a long time and I think I uh, advocated for him maybe having a spell two or three weeks back, but his running is back. He, oh, geez, I thought he was all right. I did say earlier on I'd have a controversial thing that would. I wouldn't be against bringing Hopper back via the sub role. 
yeah, someone else mentioned that here. Uh, not the worst because if the heat's on, you know he's going to put his head over the pill and win a hard ball get. Like, it's a totally different player to an outside runner, isn't it? Like, he's going to be at the at the coal face winning the footy. So he, he's almost more likely to have an immediate impact. And you know it's only for one or two weeks until he gets a bit of miles in the legs. I'm not saying I'm not advocating for it full-time, like permanent basis, but just for that first couple of weeks until he gets back, you know, up to the speed of the game and, and being able to run it fully out to maybe just uh, bring him back that way. Also got Ryan, who, who will be out as well, so someone who will come in for him as well. Well, what yeah. do we do there? Are, are we going to go another Ruckman, e.g. Soldo, or are we going to let Miller try and do what he was doing late last year again? Yeah, or the horses, yeah. And, bring, and bring Pickett Miller. in as the, as the replacement. Yeah. What do we They're think, uh, without going into the entire issue, but Pickett coming back and playing, we're backing him and the club in to make the right call there. Obviously, he wanted to play last week against the Saints. I think it was ultimately the right call to give him a week off just to digest everything, I suppose. But, um, you know, I really hope he comes back in and, and picks up from where he left off from a, a form perspective. I'm not sold on Pickett as sub. I just I think his main attribute is the way he patrols the wing and late in the game i don't know how how effective that's going to be as opposed to early in the game when the heat's on and we need him we've sort of played him as sub before in in a couple of games and he hasn't really done all that much so i think he's probably going to be he'll he'll be a definite starter come on cj taranto out for hopper you're winding us up there you're winding (laughs) us up is that you cane corns um a few people have mentioned Koch to come out for Hopper, which, I mean, based on exposed form, I'm, I'd be a strong no on that uh, as well. I can understand the logic. I'm, I don't necessarily agree with it because he's not playing bad. Like he's, yeah, he's, and have we got the buy? He's going to have a week off anyway. So what's the point yeah. of giving him two weeks off football, especially in the form that he's in? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, to see what comes through. Anyway, mm. send through some questions quickly, guys. We'll enter some quick ones before we jump off. First one through I, from Jim. I just went on a sports oh. bet. Yep, and and I've backed I've backed Richmond to lose the free kick count against the buy this week. Oh, easy money, <laughs> winks odds. You won't even get a return put, put, on that. <laughs> put the house on it. <laughs> uh, first question through from Jim. I'll give it to EJ first. We'll just alternate. Where do you see Morris Rioli Junior.'s immediate future? Uh, in the VFL, I, I honestly and, and I, I like him, and I think long term he's going to be great. But if Hopper's kind of come back, and um, we do have one or two first force changes, he's unfortunately going to be probably first cab off the rank. Um, he was good with his pressure on the weekend, but apart from that, not much else. He was a little bit fumbly. Um, if he does play. And Hopper isn't back. Maybe the sub is the spot at the moment, but I, I can't see him holding his place in the side uh, in the short term. Next yeah, question through from Sarge for you, Grok. Uh, all the teams so far have lost post by. Is that of any concern? Not for me. I think if anything, it's going to suit our players a little bit more, especially our older blokes. I think that Koch will definitely like a week off. Jack. Definitely will. Um, obviously, someone like Graham, who Graham Ross, the, Taranto as well. 
all these hard-bodied players who have been cracking in, I think this this buy is really going to freshen freshen them up. Gives us another week of fine tuning and tweaking under Mini as well, without having to really put it in. They can really spend that week really hashing things out without fearing what it's going to do in a game sense. So, if anything, I think it's going to be it's going to help us for the rest of the year. I reckon. Uh, next one for you, EJ from Nathan. Who makes their debut first, Brown or Banks? Uh, I'd be going against my own word if I didn't say Banks. Uh, he's, been, he's been close. It, it, you know, it's been close. I, and there you go. I don't think the buy helps the chances of a Banks debut. Or, uh, and you, and you, I think you, it's you, worth saying that, well, personally, I don't think they should debut as a sub either. I agree. I agree. If you're in, you're in. Yeah. I wouldn't even be be mad at playing Banks on a half-forward line because he's been handy around goals at VFL level lately. He's sort of been a bit of that shorty from 50, just nailing him from long range. So with his pace patrolling up, pushing into the midfield, sort of like what George used to do when he was needed upfield, I think Banks would, Banks would be solid at that role. But, yeah, Brown's only had three or four games at VFL levels, been solid in the last two of them. But Banks is so so clear of him in terms of, like, numbers and position in line. So, yeah, Banks will definitely debut before Brown unless something drastic happens with, like, Broad or or anything like that, God forbid. All right, and last one. We'll round it out from Aaron. Does Mini get the top job? I'll get both your answers for this one. Um. I say yes. Again, I did back it at four dollars fifty, and it's in the two twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, the the little tidbits of, that I get around the place is that um, he's very well regarded, and they're very happy with what is happening. They are going to run a proper process and a full process, so there will be people outside that do get a fair hearing, and if they happen to come over the top with something that blows Richmond away, that that's what will happen. But um, um, I think that Mini will get a fair hearing and, um, yeah, every chance. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon Mini gets the job. I think the thing that holds him in higher stead is what he's doing now is not so different to what was it's already been in place for the last 10 years, especially the last six or seven since we've been a really competitive side. And it's just a few minor tweaks of his own spin where he's sort of swapped players around, played them in their more natural positions, given players a bit more attacking freedom. I think obviously we've seen it with, with Bolter, we've seen it with Baker, Short. They've been allowed to get off the leash a little bit more. I do think that that's going to be something that works in, in Mini's favour going forward, whereas the new coach is going to be coming in completely fresh and it's going to going to have a whole new outlook on things, whereas we, if we've got 85% of a premiership side and tactics there that are still working well, why scrap everything for a new, for a new coach? Yeah, the actual last question that I just thought of that I forgot to raise earlier, um, how, one, how good was it to see Dimmer in the crowd? Uh, and the Richmond Army's reaction to Dimmer went on the on the big screen, and uh, maybe I'm way wrong here, but the 
the vibes he's giving off isn't that of someone who's going to go and coach another team next year. Yeah. It just feels like he's got still too much love for the club to be able to commit himself to coaching another team. And maybe that's way off the mark. And it was just a one off. He was just happy for Koch and whatever. Um, I, I just, it just struck me as someone who was still very much in love with the club, the players, and I can't see him taking a senior coaching gig at this stage. I'm talking immediate next year, but it was awesome to see him there at the game. He looks 10 years younger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I have a question. Yep. I noticed up in that area up there, you know, you had uh, Wayne Campbell and St. Francis and um, Chief and the President. Why was Michael Malthouse there? Is there something? <laughs> is there some link to Cochin? No, no, no. It's a genuine question. Is there a link to Cochin that we don't know about? No. So I was laughing because I didn't understand either when I was watching. I was trying to piece it together myself. Um, I mean, the only in really clutching at straws. He obviously played for the club, but that really doesn't yeah, have any player. impact. Or he didn't play three hundred games. I know he's. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure, but I mean. Oh, I don't. I don't mind it. It just seemed it, I was kind of a little bit hard to, to connect the dots. But um, it was a pretty it was a pretty star studded lineup up there. And did Benny Gale have an interaction with a fan post? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't post game. It was sort of towards, oh, the, towards end the end of the last quarter. Yeah. But on Nick Malthouse, as you mentioned with Dimmer, where he's doing the you know the the congratulations, you know, thank you sort of thing. Do you see Mick Malthouse's face in the background? No. Didn't look, didn't look too pleased. He's sort of just looking around, looked at the screen and like, okay, and sort of, yeah, he's just a bit of a sourpuss, Mick is. <laughs> and the rosy yeah, but, bee, wash your mouth out. Who? The rosy oh, bee. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on Geelong, and I, I want to see Geelong burn to the ground. But, yeah, I, that, that interaction with, with Chief and the fan... Chief didn't look too positive or happy. He was marching down. It was yeah, a, he, a brisk walk, was wasn't mar- it? <laughs> yeah, marching with intent. I, I sort of want to know what, what he said to him. Lady Hawkeye say, says that no, Brendan got up to talk to his young son who was sitting with his mates. Oh, I okay, know. okay. I don't that's know if good. that's being I don't know if that's being disingenuous or if that's being uh serious, but uh the way he walked out. down, Chief looked like he was pissed off. He was marching with intent. He didn't look too happy. Nah, well, it was. Um, oh, yeah. Now, back that up again. Saying definitely uh, talk, talking to his son. Okay, all right. Bad bit of timing from the cameraman. Then, my goodness. But, <laughs> uh, anyway, all good. We got the win. All was fun. Dimmer was back. Um, crowd loved it. Uh, and might I just add a ripper turnout too? Six was it sixty two or sixty three thousand? Sixty two thousand six hundred eighty six patrons was our record against St Kilda because we weren't playing at the shithole that is Marvel. So that is a good result for everyone involved. Um, again, congratulations to Koch for 300 games. A super, super effort. Um, it was, yeah, uh, an incredible night and very, very glad that we got the win for him, Grok. Yeah, absolutely. And, and before we uh, wrap up, huge shout-out to Shadow for making the trip over to surprise Koch at the, the players' meeting on Thursday. Yeah, good shout Good call. Like... I saw I saw I saw the video at work and I had a massive smile on my face seeing that. Just go again, we touch on it. The players that leave the club on good terms, you can just tell the love that the boys have for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So we will be back on Monday because we obviously play 
Brisbane. So we will uh, get stuck into that. But uh, make sure, as I said at the top of the show, Tiggs, hope you're feeling better, mate. And CB as well, for that matter. He's a bit crook. Um, Lids, Lids, Lids. Lids, sorry, Lids. Yeah. Lids is feeling a bit crook. Uh, he got the sniffles Lids. from the zoo. But um, if any, like I said, anyone who is on Twitter, please make sure you send Tiggs some love, whether it's a private message or a, a tweet and tag him. Just let him know you're thinking of him because he's, um, you know, he's been up against it the last six or so months. So make sure we get around the great man. And uh, we will be back on Monday, a live game call of the Brisbane one. What day is it? Uh, I said it's a Thursday. Maybe, maybe. We'll investigate what everyone's, what we're all doing, and we'll see what we can do there. But thank you so awesome. much, EJ and Rock, for jumping Good. on. Appreciate it. Good call, Lee. The Timmy Taranto chant as you presented the medal by Ian Stewart in the club rooms. Fantastic. Yes. The boys yeah, really got too. into it. Yeah. I, I think. They're really trying to um, send a message with Cornswood <laughs> out about it. Could yeah. you imagine if he wins the Brownlow, the amount of action on Twitter there's going to be? It's going to be off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go, before we go, before we go, eat a dick, Sam McClure. Dusty's not going anywhere. Stop with that peddling bullshit. Um, hang on. Does he look invested or not? Absolutely. Nah, he's checked out. Eco. 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 Hello, Wayne. Have a good night, guys. Thanks so much for everyone for tuning in. Make sure you give us a like and subscribe on YouTube, on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you may view us. Um, And for those listening on iTunes, it's been brought to my attention that the episodes have been uploaded to iTunes for the last month but aren't actually playing. So I will investigate as to why that is the case, and hopefully we can get that working again. But I appreciate all the love and support. And we will see you all Monday night. Won't be after another win, but uh, at least it won't be after a loss either. So have a good weekend without any Tiger football, and we'll see you on Monday. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.